0: Hold on to your butts. Hello, and welcome to episode 82 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I am joined by my two handsome, debonair co hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Morandi. Say hello, gentlemen.
1: Hello, gentlemen.
0: gentlemen. And this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context and see if they hold up. Uh, If you want to find us on the web, you can do so at Facebook.com slash Reviewed Podcast. You can email us at contact at ReviewedPodcast.com. And uh, what else? Is there anything else to find us on? Contact uh, Twitter? Oh, oh yeah. No, no, no. Reviewed did I say reviewedpodcast.com? Yeah. I don't know. Facebook. No, Facebook.com whatever. Just I stopped in like five minutes ago. Just Google my name. <laughs> whatever. It doesn't matter. It's your the name. same intro.
1: Is your name Reviewed Podcast?
0: Well, my name is probably easier to find than Reviewed Podcast because this name is distinctly hard yeah. uh, for SEO. Uh, every, every
2: podcast has some form of review in it. Well, but it's not yeah, really because every for you. Yeah,
0: because every podcast is like you know, every like podcast in the uh, iTunes SEO is like add your review for this podcast. Oh, yeah. That's so it totally <laughs> screws everything yeah, it was up. a genius idea it, so, naming it Review podcast. The worst idea. <laughs> but we're 82 episodes in and I can't stop now.
2: <laughs> no. So, you know, no.
0: just keep it going. My mouth just-
2: won't stop. <laughs> my mouth won't stop.
0: stop. Won't stop. Uh, um, yeah, so I'm just gonna keep on rolling with my bad decisions, which is basically my philosophy in life, and just keep on trucking <laughs> ahead. And uh, and we're gonna talk about a, an old movie. We're gonna talk about a movie from 1986. Uh, we're gonna talk about Rob Reiner's uh, film Stand By Me.
1: In all our lives, there's a fall from
0: innocence, a time after which we are never the same. It happened in the summer of 1959 long time ago. Oh man, wait to hear this, wait to hear this. What is it, man? You guys want to go see a dead body?
2: When the night has come and the land is dark. We interrupt to bring you an update on the search for the missing 12-year-old Ray Brower.
0: Kid's gone, they're never going to find him. Not where they're
2: looking.
1: And the moon is the only night we'll see. You think Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman? Mighty Mouse is a cartoon.
2: Superman is a real guy. No way a cartoon could beat up a real guy.
0: So stand by me. Yikes! Okay. <laughs> so stand by me is based on Stephen King's That's novella from the Four Seasons uh, book. Um, it's uh, which is the same book where Shawshank Redemption comes from and App Pupil comes from. It's uh, the basic plot synopsis is that after the death of a friend, um, a writer recounts a boyhood journey with other friends to find the body of a missing boy. It takes. It was made in 1986, but it takes place in late 1950s, right? Um, yeah. And it stars. Like the who's who of like popular (laughs) late 80s child actors. Uh, You have uh, River Phoenix. Uh, Corey Feldman, the Feldman as a, mm-hmm. another Feldman appearance. He's also in Goonies, uh, Jerry O'Connell as a fat kid, uh, and <laughs> burn as Vern burn. and, uh, will Wheaton, uh, plays the, the lead character of Gordy. Um, and will Wheaton is kind of known now as in geek circles for, you know, you know, being a part of a lot of things. He was also in Star Trek mm-hmm. and in, uh, and some other stuff it's as like well.
1: It's like an internet celebrity guy. Yeah. Now.
0: He's like internet famous. Uh, the movie also features Kiefer Sutherland. Um, and <laughs> John Cusack, who I totally forgot was in this movie. Yeah. Uh,
1: He's in there for like two minutes,
0: but you know, I was like, it was funny. There was a frame photo, you know, when they show the frame photo of his brother, and it's John Cusack. I'm like, did they just is John Cusack? I, I, I was like, did they just get a picture of John Cusack and then he comes back? So mm. was like, pretty great. Anyway, the movie, uh, as I said, is kind of like it's a, it's a uh, you know it's ostensibly about three kids who kind of go on this like summer journey to find a dead body, but it's also about larger themes. It's a coming of age story. It's about the fall from grace, the fall from innocence. Um, it's about all that kind of things. Uh, all those things it also um i feel like falls into this genre of films that is what i like to call endless summer movies like this idea of like movies that just really capture this this feeling of a lazy summer uh where you know as a kid you don't have like a. it's like not to have
1: school and just go outside and play like yeah because you don't
0: have any responsibilities and the summer feels endless and it's just like this is going to be the life forever Uh, and this has been done you know for better for worse a lot of times like, The Sandlot is a good example of a movie that's about, like, an endless summer kids movie, The Sandlot, um, and other such films. So, you know, straight off. Hello,
1: Mike?
2: No, oh, I'm here, yeah. Mike. Okay. Oh, okay, that was can, really weird. Can you not hear me? Um, no. I didn't even
0: no, say I anything. You're
1: still here. <laughs> we, heard a, we heard a blip.
0: Uh, we heard a blip, but that's fine. Mm. Um, you know, so, Sand by Me is universally uh, acclaimed. It's a very well-received movie. So considered to be one of Rob Reiner's best, and um, as is the case with this podcast, one of Stephen King's better adaptations. Like we've only focused on like the good Stephen King adaptations, right. I feel like, on this podcast. Um, but I've got a bunch of thoughts about this movie, and I'll start, stop yammering. I guess, uh, Dave, uh, were you did you grow up watching Stand by Me? Because I feel like you'd be of the age, like you would have been like ten years old when this movie came out. So you have been I was like
1: exactly ten years old. You then. would have been. He <laughs> nailed it
0: you would have been <laughs> peak stand by me like these are this is your like but
1: remember this movie is rated R <laughs> and I mean, yeah, okay. So ten year olds sometimes see rated R movies now, especially now. But I mean, it wasn't exactly that easy. I will to say or, uh, to go and see a rated R movie when you're a ten year old. It is it is
0: rare with a movie like Stand By Me that it yeah. is a movie about kids mm. meant for adults, which is which is something that Definitely. isn't which is something that isn't made very often. I, I feel like things that are you know feature kid protagonists are made for kids as well. I can I I, I can't even think of a movie I've seen recently that's about kids that's for adults. But anyway.
1: Uh, uh, so yeah I, mean, I i didn't grow up watching this movie, but I did see it when I was a kid um and it, i probably it probably didn't really revisit it until I was maybe in college um but it was a kind of movie that like uh was impactful enough to have on, on my life and and my friends' lives where you know you know quotes from the movie- you know we we would quote the movie every now and then and you know uh just the idea of going on these adventures made you kind of uh appreciate going on your own little adventures in the woods I mean I don't know about you guys but I I grew up near a, a park the woods and uh, spent a lot of time just hiking through the woods with friends and just you know picking up sticks and swinging on vines and uh, you know not, not really thinking about what time you had to get home and, and I think that this movie captures that pretty well um So
0: you grew up in, like, um, Leave it to Beaverland?
1: No, not really. I mean, it was like, uh, you know, if if you're – anyone, any listeners are from Pittsburgh. It's near Shenley Park. And, uh, you know, Pittsburgh has a lot of nice parks and woods that you can walk around in and get lost in. Um, And uh, so, yeah, that movie – I mean, you know, there's really kind of nothing about – I think this movie is supposed to take place in the Pacific Northwest, even though it says Castle Rock. Uh, And the original Stephen King story takes place in in, uh, every Stephen King movie. Or takes story place, takes place in Maine, right?
0: Oh, no, not The Shining, but well,
1: most of them take place in, in, in Maine. I just,
0: I just disproved you, but anyway, continue. sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah. And he's and he's written a lot of books since. No, he he writes about then. Maine a lot, yeah, for sure. Right. Uh, so you know, my, my memory of this movie is a little bit foggy, to be honest. I remember my friends talking about this movie before I saw it, and, and kids were kind of seeing it, and, and you felt a little, it felt a little dangerous you know and and you felt cool to admit that you had seen this movie because it was radar and the kids were smoking and they were saying you know they were swearing and and uh so you know it felt uh it felt like a like a rite of passage to actually go and see this movie or somehow see it on vhs you know maybe the following years i don't remember how i ended up seeing it whether i saw it in a theater or not i actually can't remember uh but i did see it as a kid and uh you know, it stayed with me, and uh, you know, I, I have some other thoughts about the, the, the overall effectiveness of the movie.
0: What do you think? It's do you think it's like? Do you think it's a very effective movie or not?
1: I think it is very effective at a lot of things. I think I think some I think my uh, largest complaint with the movie would be the narration. I think the narration doesn't work. The,
0: do you think that the book ends, the book, it book ends with Richard Dreyfuss right. as the adult version of Gordy kind of narrating what's happening mm-hmm. after the death of one of the group. Now, do you think that the book ends work at all or is it just the narration that doesn't work I'm okay you? with
1: the book ends. I think the narration gets to the point where he starts to say things that the characters are feeling, um, where I, I just don't think you you just, you don't need someone to tell you that, and that's I feel like it's been a long time since I've read the book. I read I. I, I, There was a short period of time, probably right after I saw this, where I was, I think probably like a lot of uh, people my age, guys maybe especially guys my age. uh, I read Stephen King Stephen King books nonstop for like two years. I would say, uh, in middle school, middle school, early high school, and uh, I don't remember if the dial, if the story, even the story itself or the dialogue was how much of it was taken from the book, Um, but. I don't know where I was going with that comment. Well I guess I guess um Mike, Mike, I, I think it's interesting
0: Sorry. that he brings up this idea of kind of like um on the nose narration. No, Mike, you're right, a writer. You're, the narration. you're a writer. Yeah. Do you did you feel that way uh about the film and do you think it limits its effectiveness? And well, I mean guess what are your what are your general thoughts on Stand by Me? Are you in the like this is like so Stand by Me has like this cult following where like this is the best movie about children ever made. Do you kind of subscribe to that high of a claim? Or do you uh, are you more in the middle?
2: No, I, I so I, first of all, I want to go and say that I, I agree with Dave. I think that the narration is just like telling us things we already know. And I think if you're a, a smart moviegoer, you already know these things. Like when he's at the end, like, "Wow, you know, it's great to have friends like this." And nobody, you know, how, who who actually does have friends like these. And I'm like, yeah, that's I, I know. Like, yeah, we it, we get it. and, and get it's it. like this suspense, <laughs> like he's like trying to figure out how to sum everything up, and we already know that. Like stuff like that is. I, I, I agree with Dave. I think narration is. It's becoming less and less, um, I think, prevalent, p- perhaps. I think cause it's recognized more as bad writing. I think this was, like, people still figuring out writing back in the 80s. They were like, yeah, let's do a narration. We people like that, right? Because um, you had, think about it, you had, like... Uh, well, funny. I'm curious.
0: I, I don't mean to di- digress too much, but do you feel that same way about Shawshank? That's, like, heavily
2: narrated. That's, like, no, all No, see. It doesn't bother me there.
1: Um, I agree with Mike. I, I feel like the narration is fine. Is
2: Yeah. To my, it works my memory. sometimes. And I think even, like... Um, now, this is a different... So I was going to say The Wonder Years is probably around the same time and this is so much of The Wonder Years with that... This It almost sounded like it could have been the same guy. The, the yeah. voice just sounds the same. Daniel Stern um, and Richard Dreyfuss sound yeah, the they, same. They they do a little bit actually. Yeah, I mean no, they don't look the even. same, but they sound yeah. I mean when uh-huh. I'm hearing like it's he, it's almost like he's trying to impersonate or one of the <laughs> one of the others trying to impersonate Richard Dreyfuss.
0: Sure, Wonder, is, well, Wonder Years is trying. Daniel Stern was trying to impersonate Richard Dreyfuss. They either came saying.
1: out the same year or Wonder Years was shortly after. I think so. yeah, Wonder Years
0: was after. I feel like that's early 90s. Am I wrong about that? I well,
1: know. it went into the early 90s.
2: But okay. yeah, and I think I think you have I think that like uh, Wonder Years is like a PG version of this of this. Right? It's it's a, it's like basically the same setting different circumstances right but it's the same you know kids are this age and it's like them and their friends and what they go through and all this stuff um so like i i, I grew up with the wonder years on tv so like i really liked I, I liked the wonder years a lot and i went recently went back and watched it holds up it's pretty good um and i like i like this too i think this was good um and i think the character development is really good too um something and i can't put my finger on it but just something felt by the end of it there were certain things that I think they I think they just push a little too hard. Like there's certain scenes. Like like a perfect example is okay. So you got Keeper Sutherland who is willing to face down a truck barreling down a highway at like at 80 miles an hour toward him, and he doesn't flinch. Mm-hmm. But a kid pulls a gun, and he's more worried about that. Like I don't like. I, so I feel Keeper like
1: Sutherland he, plays the bully. Right. right.
2: Well, yeah. I mean- yeah.
0: I I mean I don't uh, I think I kind of get What you're saying Mike And it's funny When I was watching this movie And I I think it's a good movie I don't think it's a great one And it's funny that we're kind of I thought I was going to be Laughed out of here For saying that Because I started googling This movie as I was watching it um, and um,
1: I would go with very good. Well, the, the, well, the issue is <laughs> I, I, was, like, I, too, I yeah. was like,
0: I was like, is there any critical writing about this movie where they're kind of criticizing its flaws? And if you start looking about pieces about Stand By Me that have been written in retrospect, they're all glowing about how it's such an important movie. It's the, the one of the best, most. Uh, mature movies about children ever made. Um, it, it's, it, it kind of feels like it's ignoring a lot of the flaws. As Dave said, I think the narration is really on the nose and I think that certain characterizations are broad to the point that it ruins their effectiveness. And one of those is yeah. Kiefer Sutherland's character. He couldn't be more one note as a character. Yeah.
2: yeah. And
0: I, I feel like that whole end, climb, you know, that's the climax of the movie when they find the body of Ray Brower and... Um, and that that gun standoff yeah, scene, I, yeah, I still have no I mean, tension. I, I like it
1: makes like, no okay, sense. It, 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 yeah. it, and Maybe not now. As a kid, it did for me.
2: But also, so, it does, it's not. It doesn't take a lot of balls to be tough with a handgun, with a friggin' forty-five in your hand. Like, yeah, anyone can be tough. I, I wanted to see something more from him, from all those characters, like willing to take a beat. Like, some it, it needed something else. Like, I think just pulling a gun on somebody is not really. I feel like the climax the movie needed, and I think it's not quite what the characters needed. Um, in in their arc you know and I, I think that's something that bothered me I think as far as like making something making things a little bit overly broad I feel like you know the fat kid <laughs> Jerry O'Connell's fat kid he's just like the classic like oh he's the fat kid and he can't ever do anything right like I wanted to see him have some kind of a I guess he does he gets, he gets Corey Feldman to flinch no because then Corey Feldman eventually just punches him twice again anyway <laughs> Like I feel like there was a little bit I feel like he needed something. Um, but I think I think, as far I, as I think
0: both the character of Vern and Teddy, which is played by Feldman, I think both those characters are problematic. I um yeah. I think that the the better of the two is River Phoenix and Gordy. Oh, yeah. I think that yeah, and I think those two are better actors in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they're given more to do, heavy lifting wise, like they have to emotionally break down and all that kind of stuff. So maybe that's why I'm I favor them more. But the problem with Vern, as you said, is he's a caricature, and Teddy is, um, I don't know. I, I feel like that. I feel like the notion is is a little bit cliche about, like, my dad was a war hero type thing, and, like, I don't know. if I, Maybe cliche is the wrong word. There, there's something about the handling of that that felt very ham-fisted to me, especially that sequence with... Um, the junkyard owner when he like confronts him and you know you know causes them to freak out i think that there there's a um a kernel there's an interesting idea there this idea that you can love your abuser like you know you Mm -hmm. can be attacked by somebody but still feel like immense amount of respect for them um i think that's an interesting idea but i don't know how well it's handled maybe it's because the feldman can't handle performance
2: wise
1: it i don't know know, i I have to i I guess i kind of disagree with you there i mean i I have no complaints with any of the any of the acting in the movie at all my complaint
2: no. is with Corey feldman just as a person i just i, I, said, it, I said it in the goonies i'll say it again and his face is just so punchable you know everything this, he says i'm just like shut
0: up is this because you know what of of Corey me. feldman becomes like what he is no, now no, no like this, i don't this, even,
2: this. that's separate it's just like this like punk thing. he probably reminds me on some subconscious level of some tormentor in like grammar school that i had like <laughs> it's, just, it's just like oh i hate that kid but he has like this smug punchable face i just it's so distracting yeah, I guess. I mean,
1: I guess I, I kind of disagree with you guys. This was always the performance of his from the eighties that stuck out. That stuck. No, I am not most. saying it was a
2: bad performance. I am just saying it was annoying. I just didn't like him. I, I think, like, <laughs> I don't know. and I think, but he's playing into it. He plays that he plays the obnoxious, like, you know, oh, the tough guy, the fake tough guy. I, you know, I
0: there is something nitpicky about my comments because I mean, let's be honest. For kid actors, they're all very good. I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I mean, for a movie centered on kids, uh, Rob Reiner does a pretty incredible job with his casting. I mean, he casts kids that look right and. For the most part, are, you know, it, it's, it must be really hard to find kid actors that can do this, you yeah. know, and, and do it believably. So, I mean, I don't want to hamper on that, I guess, too much. Um, my, lo- my other major issue in the film, in, in talking about broad ideas, I think that this idea of the parents kind of being this vacant shells because of grief, I think that idea is played out and dull and uninteresting. Or the idea of, like, my dad doesn't understand me and doesn't love me. Like, I think that is something that I'm just ti- – I'm tired of seeing that dad character. Mm-hmm. Like, the one – you should play football and not be an artist. Like, the Varsity <laughs> Blues. Like it, it, it's the Varsity Blues. Like, this is not your life. Like so, had you I seen do.
1: this movie before?
0: I saw it in college. Okay. I remember – I remember liking it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember loving it, and in revisiting it now, I think my feelings are the same. I think I have an appreciation for it, and there's mm-hmm. things I'm going to get into that I think are very good in the movie, mm-hmm. but I don't think this is like a total 100% home run that's worthy of like, you know, being one of the top 250 movies that I buy on IMDb, all that kind of jazz. Yeah. I guess is where I fall. I
1: guess out. I could maybe I mean IMDb is a little you know, I mean I could I could see it being on IMDb just because of the nostalgia factor. Um but yeah, I agree. I mean, for me, there was enough when I was watching. I kept thinking like, yeah, there's a lot about the movie that doesn't work, but the good stuff in the movie, so, uh, in my opinion, outweighed the bad. Well, can I ask
0: you?
2: I, I, I think like if you, I, I think you to to do the movie better. I think you just cut out the whole gang thing. I, I think it's it's extr- extraneous we don't need it like it's there's no point they set well, up that he steals his hat and he never gets the hat back later which pissed me off so I, yeah, frickin- I I
1: mean I, I kind of like that it gives it a little bit of catharsis at the end where they you know
2: there are so many other ways to do catharsis without bringing two dimensional characters and wasting time developing them when you don't really need to like it's just it's you don't need it at all like spend time well, structure- with them like,
0: structurally, I kind of understand this idea of like a ticking clock. Like they need to beat the other guys there. I kind of understand that. That, that, that doesn't, doesn't come
2: into play until like the last like like what 20, 25 minutes of the movie. So there is no ticking clock at all. And then at the very end, like oh yeah, we'll just throw this extra complication in. I think you look at more creative ways of solving all of their their character arcs by doing something else. You have maybe the they get there and the police are already there, or the police are nearby, or so. There's other ways you can do it. And I think honestly, it, it, I don't think a ticking clock is what you need. I think you have to have elements that test the two characters. You know, they're spying what what's driving them, what's going on, you know, what the fact that, um, you know, uh, Corey, uh, not Corey Feldman, uh, Will Wheaton's living in the shadow of his older brother, and the fact that his parents all love him and they love his brother. Um, you know, River Phoenix, the fact that he is living in the shadow of his family name. So, very, very similar thing. Like the fact that he's, I think those things never really get resolved in the sense of they find some form of redemption. It's just more of like they rely on each other and they care about each other. Um, and I think that's good, but I, I you know, I, I I think there were probably more elegant ways of doing it. I mean, does that make well, sense? I
1: mean, maybe if you, maybe you, there's another way to look at it with the, uh, the, these older, these, these gang guys and Keeper Sutherland's gang. We're kind of forgetting that they are also kids, you know, this, this, you know. How
0: old are they supposed to be?
1: Well, they're definitely high school students. They're high school kids? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I would everyone... say they're probably like juniors or seniors as opposed to middle schoolers. And, uh, I mean, Keeper Sutherland was at that age where he was playing, you know, like 17 18 year old even though people. he was
0: like 20 something probably maybe
1: i mean yeah whatever um so i mean i agree they could have they probably could have explored the older uh the gang members they they could have had a little more dimension to them but they were really kind of there to be a foil to you know the four uh, protagonists in the movie so I, I guess i agree they could have been a little less one dimensional but at the same time, it's uh, you know coming at from Rob Reiner's perspective. Maybe he was thinking, uh, this is you know kind of two different points in your life when you're like when you get to be older and you you know this gang they're they're really at the point where like okay I really have to like stick with this guy because he's cool and you know think about all the reasons that these older sixteen seventeen year olds get into a gang like this. But I, I feel um, like
2: that gang every every element of it. When I think back about it, I feel like that adds some form of cheesiness which i think for me prevents it from being a really good classic movie because there's it just feels more hollywood there's a gun involved because they could scare them off they got their race car like yeah i, I agree I that it doesn't work completely
1: but i think that there was probably some intention behind well, it. well i right? think the, oh, the the inte- pro- i think the
0: in- i think the intention is to juxtapose the idea of kids that are still kids who haven't quite fallen yet mm-hmm. and then these are the people that have fallen from innocence you know it's the idea that the. Uh, uh, I mean, again, this is the voiceover being too on the nose, but it's this idea that they're still talking about Mighty Mouse and Superman right. and eating Pez, <laughs> <And> go-
2: Goofy, <laughs> and, and, yeah.
0: and, and Goofy and stuff like that. When, when, when you know, when you know, you you know, in five years, they're going to be talking about girls, and they're going to be talking about they're going to be pretending to be adults, whereas here they're still comfortable and okay being kids, yeah. and I think that's really important. I, I think that. I mean, I don't want to bash this movie too much and I feel like we're being too negative on it because I think here's the elements I think are excellent in the movie. And this is probably Stephen King's influence, but the movie is not afraid to shy away from some really, really, really dark things. I mean... Aesthetically, it's a movie that, like you know, as Mike just said, it's a movie where they're arguing about whether Goofy's a dog or not, and then they're also look they're physically looking for a dead body. So there's this, right. this there there is this aura of death that surrounds the entire movie um, that really just adds weight to things. And and then this idea that you know you'll be stuck in your life forever because people expect you to act horribly, and those are serious dark things. And I think the movie handles those um, pretty well. And um, I think that that stuff's really touching. Um, so I'm I, I'm I'm down I'm down with that. Um, I also think that the movie is all about the nature of storytelling, and um, well, I'll, I'll get into the uh, I'll get into why I think that is in a little bit. Any other comments? Like, what what do you guys really like about this movie? I no, guess.
2: I I, I agree. I think I I mean we're we're nitpicking because when a movie is I think lauded this well, you don't want to just make a podcast like Ivan said, jizzing over Jaws where it's just everything. <laughs> <laughs> when we talked about Jaws at one time, you don't want just everyone's like, yeah, it's a great movie, great movie, and that's it. Like I want to find the things that could have been done better. You know or, or looking back at a critic with a looking at it with a critical eye and I think um I, I think it has a very realistic view of I think just young boys in that you know I think there's all, I was never like this as a kid I was a kid that stayed inside and played video games just straight up nerded it out like that was it mm-hmm. I never did dangerous things I never smoked never really cursed a whole lot like so I think it's a different a different slice of society but I think it's still a very real slice and I think that they they portray it accurately and I think these kids are, you know, one minute they're picking on each other and making fun of each other. The other minute they're like crying and like you know trying to be be good friends. And I think what you see a number of times is you see the more often than not you're seeing them kind of like quote unquote ranking each other, ranking on each other. But there are some good moments where you know when they come back from the junkyard and and you know uh, Corey, I, I don't know what these freaking kids' names are. I'm just gonna keep going referring to them by their actors' names. But Corey Feldman's like crying and he's all sad. Teddy. He's like, Teddy. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm ruining t- Teddy Duchamp, right? Yeah. Duchamp and he's like I'm sorry I ruined everybody's good time or I'm sorry that I'm you know, ruining it and I, I think that that's, that scene is really interesting I think that, that I liked seeing Dave I know you didn't really or Ivan you didn't really like that scene I what like scene? that Junkyard scene. Yeah, me too. I like that scene. Too. I don't um, love that
0: scene, and I think it's something to do with, I don't know, it's something to do with Feldman. Maybe it's just Feldman's punchable face. I don't know what <laughs> it is. <laughs> I just it's don't like Feldman. I don't know what it is. Uh,
2: yeah, I think no. he, yeah, I think he, I, yeah, I don't think he's a, a great actor, but I, I think he did enough for, I think he did what he needed to do for those scenes. Um, and I think that that's, I, I think they do a good job with the four main characters, the exception of, I think, you know, you uh, know, the fact it could have been a little bit Vern better. yeah Vern could have been a little bit. but but overall, I, I think it's good and I think it's it's very hard to capture that, especially when you're when you're contending with child actors on top of everything else, right Like you have I know it's kids being kids, but these are really adults in kids' bodies, a way that you know I feel like they deal with stuff and they admit things. Like I, I feel like the fact that both these kids understand that like I think my dad wishes I had died instead and I'm never gonna be able to get out of my name. I'm not sure if kids are ever conscious of that. I think what ends up happening in general in real life is that they just inter- everything is internalized and you just feel bad and you don't understand why as a kid for the most part
0: it's like the thing that he he wouldn't have been able to conceptualize that idea but he would have felt what that idea represented internally right.
2: Saying, and, right and 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 maybe like that's just that maybe they're just discovering it for the first time now maybe this is, they're just starting to understand it and that's possible you know but I think that you know I. I don't, know, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say. I think I lost well, train of thought. No. I, I well, like I the think, movie. I think it's great. I think they did a lot of really good things with it. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: you know, five stars. Let's get out of here. No, I, I, I five think,
2: stars or whatever, you know.
0: No, I think that that's, I think that's a really interesting point. Uh, this. I, I think that the movie, a lot of the movie, is pre- presenting an idealized or super advanced version uh, th- as opposed to actual reality. And what I mean by that is I think this is representing it is tapping into this desire for kids to have friend to have had friends like this but i don't think a lot of people do have friends like agrees. this agrees yeah um and i i mean i and maybe you're your different day when you were swinging on ropes <laughs> in your, your pittsburgh your idyllic pittsburgh I, I, upbringing i, I
1: did but, have friends a little bit like
0: but like, like I, I never had like a gang like this where like I th- I desperately wanted a gang like this. I'd watch Dude, movies you can, like you this. You can
2: join. There are gangs out there, man. <laughs> no, no I, you <laughs> know. You I I desperately, I desperately
0: wanted like the Blood Brothers feeling that this movie kind of comes across and whether or not you know you eventually grow apart, whatever. But I never had that. Like I, you know, I had, I had acquaintance and friends and whatever, but it was never to the point where, like, oh, these, this is like, we're four inseparable guys that, like, I, I never had, like, our, like, I never had a little treehouse we all hung out in after school. And no, you know, I,
2: I, I still I, don't. I still don't yeah. have a treehouse.
0: So I think that this movie kind of.
2: <laughs> Th- it, thank you, Dave.
0: I would argue that the movie is tap. It it it, it is like nostalgia is this powerful, comp- uh, powerful thing. That we buy into the reality of things that were not necessarily true, and this you could you could this is such a big idea that you could argue that this is the inspiration or the the impetus for the entire political movement right now. But this this nostalgic for a time that never was, but you feel like it was real, and you feel like you feel like times were always that carefree and always that good. And um, I think the movie, this, this movie really captures that. And I think that the fact that it takes place in the 1950s is really important because the 1950s in America is kind of has this idealized. White picket fences, leave it to Beaver esque, uh, you know, uh, aura surrounding it. That we kind of always go back to that time, even if you never even grew up in the nineteen fifties, as that is the time when America was America, as long as you're white.
1: Right. And- well, it was, it was the post war period, or it was the. So the for great, greatest so, generation baby so, boomers,
0: yeah, exactly. So for baby boomers, this is like their catnip, right? Like this right. is presenting like, oh, wasn't it better when we would play all day until the sun went down, and our mom would call us in with a triangle for dinner, and we'd eat a triangle. You know, she'd, she'd, <laughs> she'd, she'd, she'd ring the oh, little musical thing. Oh, she'd, yeah. She'd, yeah, she'd, yeah, she'd yeah, ring yeah. the little triangle <laughs> bell for yeah. dinner, oh, wow. and we'd eat pot roast and mashed potatoes and green beans for every meal, and you know, <laughs> n- ice cream only cost a nickel, and we played stick ball and all that crap. Right. Like and. You know, not to say that I'm totally innocent of this in the sense that now we are in an age of um, 80s and 90s nostalgia where we're creating so much material that is designed strictly to tap into our feeling of what it was like to be a kid in the 80s and 90s. And this is how, uh, you know, And it, it, it makes sense on a cyclical level because Rob Reiner was a kid. In the late 1950s, right? Mm-hmm. He was a kid. So this, this is. And so ra- was Stephen King, mostly. And so the, this is Stephen King and Rob Reiner's childhood. So it makes sense they'd write about this time, and it makes sense that the, the duffer brothers or Duffer brothers that make Stranger Things are writing about the late 80s because that's when they sure. were kids and so that's right, when they right. were watching movies. Right. Yeah. So what's going to happen is in 15 to 20 years from now, you're going to get all the you know. Uh, all the people that, you know, grew up in the early two thousands making movies about that as a nostalgic.
2: Right. I think I talked but about that this on another an podcast. Were Where... like, what are you how are you gonna make that movie? Like what what is it what does everybody look like? I, I think you
0: I think that if, in the time of E. T. you would have been like, How are they gonna make this feel nostalgic? Right. Um, and now it
2: feels totally. But I feel like '80s is the last big chari- caricaturable. If that's a word, Not at car- all. 90, no, '90s no, no. grunge.
0: '90s grunge. No, no and not, punk not '90s. And and pop punk. I think,
2: like '2000 and on, it's just been like soulless. There's just no personality. I think you <laughs> only. Like, s- well, I, that's what we. That's what people in the
1: '80s were probably saying about the '80s. Exactly. Like, like you, we miss the '50s.
0: Yeah, you're only. You're only saying that because you weren't a kid in the early '2000s. You were. You were already had self awareness of. It, it, it wasn't everything wasn't rosy for you then you it never knew was that, rosy
2: I grew up on the streets man
0: <laughs> you knew that the world was a darker you had fallen from innocence at that point and yeah. this movie it, 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 it so like you know, we uh, you, we all talk about, like, this is why BuzzFeed exists, like, top ten lists, is because, like, in the 90s, things were perfect, and we were all watching Nickelodeon and mm-hmm. Rugrats and all that kind of crap, and, and, and we have a warm, fuzzy feeling because at that time, we had not fallen from innocence yet, and I think that this movie is the encapsulation of that idea and when that turn starts to happen. But anyway, that's the I long way I've I had like fallen
1: yet. from innocence by that point. <laughs> but that's because I'm 73. <laughs> well, <laughs> Dave, you're 85 years old. I mean,
0: in the 1920s, after you survived the Great Depression— you had after lost I fought him? in the Great War. Yeah, I mean, you lose your innocence pretty quick going through those
2: two things. <laughs> anyway,
0: anyway, so yeah. So uh, another question I have for you guys. Let's talk about one of the movies, uh, the, the movie's biggest. So this is a tight movie. It's 128 minutes long. It's short.
1: 128 minutes is 89 minutes, according to IMDb. Oh, shit. Oh,
2: thought... dude, you look so dumb right now. 100, oh.
1: 120 minutes?
0: No, I mean, I'm sorry. I meant to say it. Sorry. I got that wrong. That's Dave too late, correct. bud.
1: It's... Yeah. 89 Uh, minutes. 89 minutes. I meant to say it's an An hour hour and and a half. half. It's a short movie.
0: It's a tight 90 minutes, right? So I think that the, uh, um, I think it's really interesting because the movie being so short still takes time to do a tangent where it shows his story of Lardass and the Pie Eating Contest. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go around the table. What is what is the symbolic point of Lardass and the Pie Eating Contest? And I have a theory oh, about this.
1: I have no idea what the symbolic point is, except oh, for the just... fact that it's giving us a chance to, to finally see this main character as a uh storyteller as a and, and how people react to them. You know, how people react to them. I mean, when you're eleven or twelve years old and you're making up stories, I mean this seems like this seems like a pretty well Thought out, you know, I mean, the story for that. I mean, you know, it, it's a gross story. It's uh, it you know, it's a story about this a guy who it's a pie eating contest where where he, you know, he drinks castor oil and vomits and everyone vomits and I love how everyone vomits blueberry pie even though only the contestants on stage. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. You're right. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, this scene definitely stayed, this, this is definitely this scene. And, and I think the other big scene you're probably going to want to talk about is the leeches scene. Uh, those, those yes. two scenes were, well, I guess another other, the uh, train on the bridge scene. So I would say there's training the
0: bridge stuck with me pretty hard. There the, are the three, the three
1: big centerpieces yeah, yeah. in this movie, in my opinion. And, and, uh, this one probably stuck with me just because of the have factor, I would say.
0: But okay. So, but okay. Um, I would argue that the train sequence and the leeches sequence have a bearing on plot. They're about yeah. they're about kids forced to overcome lar- large obstacles, dangers, real life dangers. Like mm. the idea that real danger is inflicting in their life and coming to terms with that. Like this again, the fall from grace, the fall from innocence. The pie contest doesn't have anything to do with
2: that. So this why co- so right.
0: why did Rob Reiner include it in the movie, Mike? What's your answer to that question?
2: So I, I think so functionally. I think he loves like, pie I, 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 I think I don't know who said it Dave Ivan it's your chance to see is he actually a good storyteller is he a good writer um I think the answer and is how yes do people so I think it's like a very creative I, I enjoy that little trip down whatever the hell that was um and I, I I would I mean my guess is that it's 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 a symbolic story of you know kind of what everybody's dealing with like of, of having to being able to Literally spit back out all the crap that's been force fed to them, right? It's like all of them have some kind of baggage, and um, you know, it's their way of getting revenge, it's their way of like spewing back all the crap that's been dealt to them. Um, <laughs> and I, I like how like nobody in that in that story is like is, is sympathetic, like, there's no good guys, there's just everyone. I mean, aside from the you know, mm-hmm. the, the kid, that, ass. I, <laughs> <laughs> right? I think,
0: I think that's interesting. I didn't, I actually never. Considered vomit as a symbolic element to the story, so that's interesting. Um, yeah, I'd never thought about it like that. And I, and I so, think yeah. what's interesting
2: is like at the at the very end, you see what each of them was hoping for in the story. Like, you know, I remember Phoenix is just like, yeah, like I liked it. I thought it was good the way it was because I'm like, I'm your buddy and it's cool. The other two, one guy was concerned as if he spent money to get into the competition, so it's like I guess his, he, yeah. you know, the fact that he never he lost his pennies, like he wants his pennies and he's trying to get his money. Like he's very he's very focused on. Monetary value, so clearly like, the story <laughs> didn't do it do it for him because he was worried about like okay yeah he puked on everybody but he wasted money getting into the content or the
0: or odd details like he's up you know he doesn't bring food but he brings a comb because he wants to you know look good for the pictures when they get in the paper that kind of thing
2: so and, and, right 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 and, and, but, uh, but uh, Corey Feldman like, wants
1: to write a different ending for the story right okay, he, so he
2: want, Corey Feldman wants to be a war hero just like his dad because he wants to be his dad so like he, okay, he's so, always trying to find reasons like he's always. His bag is a gun like he wants to dodge the train like he, I think he said something about dodging something in Nam or on the beaches of Normandy whatever the hell it was yeah so like well Nam he, hadn't
0: happened yet but okay <laughs> <laughs> what's that uh, Vietnam had not happened when the movie oh, 10, right so 10, then it was 10,
2: right like, exactly. it was in the 50s you're right exactly so it would have been correct Thank Korea you. thank you Korea yeah um, but it, so, but, but I think his, his thing is he wanted, out of that story, he wanted something that was cathartic and it's going to be like, yeah, he just ran out and shot everybody and just walked off in the sunset and joined, what did what, he join the Rangers or something like that?
0: Well, I think I think that's really interesting. I'm, I'm glad you brought up that point because I didn't, I, I, didn't I, I, I was trying to, I was wrestling with this for a while. I'm like, why include this in a, a short movie? Well, you're, you're, you know, you're obviously... This isn't like a meandering movie. It's a very focused movie. Right. Yeah, why, yeah, take yeah. This, why take this diversion, an extended diversion? And my theory is, you know, I think that what Dave and you both said about this idea of you want to show his budding storytelling ability in, 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 um, is important. But I also think it's a referendum or an analysis of storytelling itself, and what the people that are going to fail in life get wrong about storytelling. And Corey Feldman's reaction to the story is I think the most interesting part about it. Because he doesn't want the story to end. He wants it to keep going. He's like, no, we got to find out what happens with this and this. They all want to know like what happens next. Right. right. And the, I think that the argument that Gordy I'm telling the story is like, no, the story's over. There is no sequel to this story. <laughs> the story. You know, I don't know what happens to him after that because the story ends at this point, like that, the, that is the cathartic moment it's over. And I think it's a reflection about how we as a society oftentimes don't know when to get out of the story. Like we have to hang on things and hang on things and leech in until it loses all its magic. And th- this is talking about w- storytelling is a finite thing that you just, it's over and that's it. And you could, you could, you could argue that that's the, the nature of their relationships as friends, right? right. Like th- this, this, this is the end, this. like after this, it's over. And the, you know that you know they didn't become best friends for life. You know it wasn't it wasn't like that. This was they I, I needed each other for that moment, and then it was over. And,
2: and I, I think, I mean, that's I think to, to that point, I want to say I, I agree with you, and I think that that's actually something that's been plaguing modern cinema for a very long time is that I think every single movie feels like it has to touch every single point and have every single ending for every single thing in the movie for every single person who's ever watched I the movie. I feel like this is a theme that we come back to. A yeah, lot, right. Obviously. I think it, I think it, think is,
0: it is and it, it it's probably because I'm so obsessed uh-huh, with it. Uh-huh. But I'm obsessed with this idea of mid-story. I'm obsessed with this idea of of comic book storytelling where mo- where you can't or t- even serialized television where you can't end your story because the, the ending is the you know the your goal is to keep your story running forever. And I find that storytelling Frustrating and yeah. annoying, and I feel like it undermines everything uh, that makes movies so great. I love movies that don't. I love movies that feel satisfying but don't wrap everything up. And I would argue um, that. I mean, stand by me. You know, for better or for worse, I may, maybe be too on the nose, but I like that this movie is like this is about an isolated portion in their life. And we get everything we need to know because this is the important thing and we don't have to spend time finding out like what Gordy ate dinner for dinner that night or Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I'm probably reading my – no uh,
1: flashbacks to them. Well, there is some flashbacks actually. To John Cusack (laughs) as the (laughs) – I take that back. Yeah, but only because that it seems relatively important to that character. I would say. I mean, he's dealing with the, the loss of his brother, and so
0: really, this is my argument against post credit sequences in modern blockbusters. But anyway, oh,
2: uh... <laughs> well, I had an argument about this with a couple people about how you know because I think what's his name, uh, Christopher Nolan, said that he didn't want to put it on the end of his movies because it felt like corny and cheesy, and mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I agreed. You put it at the end of like a Hollywood blockbuster for for jokes at the end of a movie, and I think you know that's. I, well, I just. I,
0: I, I mean, like, uh, I, it's just every movie is, every movie I feel like I, lately, and I, you know, there's, there's some exceptions to this, I think, um, there, obviously, but every movie I watch, the end is like, and now the story's going to get good. Like, right. it's like, that's like, the, it always ends like, and now it's going to get awesome. It's like, what, what was the first two hours? Of I mean, this that world?
1: applies to TV. That applies to books as well. I mean, you could say something like, um, uh, I remember when there was a sequel written to Silence of the Lambs called Hannibal, uh, when that book came out. And that was a totally unnecessary scene, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that was just, that was there by, it would never have been there had the movie not, not been so popular. And uh, I think, you know, with TV, for instance, you know, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Like, Better Call Saul, for instance, is a, a prequel to Breaking Bad, which, where, where they're expanding on the story. Some, so sometimes, you know, and that's worked out to be a very good show, so sometimes the thing I mean, I'm, a, I'm okay
2: with, with expanding of a world, right? And just, and like, hey, you enjoy this setting, let's let's see what else there is here. Like, I don't mind that as much. I, what I hate is, like, the ending where it's like, Oh, he did this, he did that, and he gets the girl, and everything is great. Instead of having, like, a smaller, like, a smaller story with a less, I, I really think it's just, like, Hollywood blockbuster movies that I, I I, go, and it's just like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah, everybody gets what they want. Okay, it's good. Versus you watch, like, some of the more <laughs> indie films where it's, you know, it's just like, okay, it's a small snippet about this one person's life, and it's saying something about that particular portion of his life or saying something what is it saying i'm not going here to feel good i'm going here to, to hear a story and learn something
0: no that's interesting i, I think we're I, I think you and i are actually talking about different things but it's, it's it's kind of a different way of approaching the similar idea like my it's my my big example is like the, the prototypical example is like does anyone remember ridley scott's robin hood movie from like
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. four <laughs> yeah. or five years yeah, ago but or whatever? We'll yeah, yeah. But but I the, the,
0: the, the movie literally ends where it should start like uh-huh. it ends where it's like and now he's robin hood Aren't right. don't you want to see his adventures like no that's why i came to a robin hood movie like right. i don't care <laughs> i don't like that I, I think we're um
1: or you could it could apply to the the, the infamous star wars prequels right where it's like it, it everything that happened before the interesting part <laughs> <you> What's <know? laughs> isn't necessarily interesting well, you know and there's a the famous Patton oswald sketch where he talks about like if you could go if he had a time machine he'd go back in time and he would uh you know he would beat George Lucas with a shovel or something for you know, and he does this good impression of like you know meeting George Lucas well, what if I told you that we could go back and meet Darth Vader and he was a one little kid and you know it's like no you don't always want to know everything you know you want to know just what's you, you want to take out all the fat you want to know just the interesting parts of the story
2: Well, I mean, I would
1: stand by me. Is is a pretty
2: you know pretty lean. Are are we kind of on the same page even now, or I'm I'm curious if we haven't quite hit it because I I I do want to. No, I
0: think I think we're kind of on the same page. I think what you're talking about is this idea of lack of ambiguity. Like a, a story has to give you everything. It has to it has to it has to close up every loose end. It has to. It has, to, it has to wrap everything up in this bow, in the, in the sense where it doesn't make you think about anything. It just you don't have to wrestle yeah, with it. Yeah, that's that what you're also just about, the right? fact
2: that everything has to be like triumphant and wonderful, and that's not life.
0: I'm talking more about, yeah. like, at the end of a movie when they're like... And now, like, so at the, the most recent Independence Day, which I'm guessing you guys have not seen. I, but, I saw it. On the but at the, but the, uh, the, the end of the recent Independence movie is like, and now we're going to go fight the aliens. And it's just like, what the fuck was the first <laughs> yeah. two hours of this for?
1: Well, they just... Yeah. It's like they're gambling on...
0: They're gambling on a franchise. And I think right. that's a huge mistake because people... People are still going to come out for I don't know the the idea that you have to pre set up sequels is ridiculous to me because if the story is good enough there will be sequel material regardless right. and I like I like I like the balls of like more recent movies like Logan and stuff like that that have the the guts to you know tell a, tell a movie like tell a story and right. I think that the to go back to my point I think that the idea is people like Teddy the dumb one in the group. <laughs> um, he doesn't understand that the ending is perfect the way it is, where, you know, Laredas gets his revenge and, and baths in the glory of his vomit, disgusting vomit, <laughs> That's the ending. Mm-hmm. And seeing what happens to Laredas after that is empirically uninteresting and doesn't isn't the story that Gordy wants to tell. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's kind of what I would go for. But anyway. Um, well, I get it. Yeah. Any final thoughts on Stand By Me? According to IMDb, the greatest movie <laughs> about children ever made. Is,
1: is that what it says? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Many people think that.
1: You, you know, I mean, I I just, I guess we want, I want to sing the praises of just the, the four leads in general. I mean, this was, they weren't famous at this point. You was River
0: Phoenix, had he done Rat Last Crusade at this
1: point? No. Okay. He, he was in a movie called Explorers with Ethan Hawke that I remember seeing. Oh, dude, Last where,
2: Crusade, he was like a teenager.
1: Well, that, that was just three years after this one. Are you kidding um, me? <laughs> yeah. I mean River Phoenix he, and then he died like a year yeah, later. Yeah, what uh 93, I think. Right? 92, 93, something like that. I'm pretty sure it was 93.
2: Um shit. Okay, I thought he would yeah. he 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 seemed much older. I guess kids grow up quick.
1: <laughs> I don't Yeah, it's crazy that he died so young. Uh and it's amazing that Corey Feldman made it through. <laughs> and know? Feldman's
0: still alive. That's well, what's yeah, meant. but I mean, he, do you see the
1: thing He's become a little bit of a thing? Yeah, he's become a little bit of a caricature, unfortunately. The music. He did some
2: kind of weird music video or music performance. If you
0: Google him yeah. now, the images are horrifying.
1: Yeah. I mean, he he's a clown man. You know, I appreciate that he's that he's still, you know, living. Right. That he's still a relatively functional I get, adult. I got to be
0: honest. I don't think he's relatively functional. And I'm, I don't know if the world's better with him still in it. I'm just saying. Oh,
1: God. Man. <laughs> let's be, let's Damn, be nice here. That's harsh, uh, man. You sound like the junkyard guy a junker. oh yeah um, <laughs> uh you know i i really appreciated that the the difficulty of finding child actors that could uh believably uh bond with each other i mean i i felt like these char- i felt like there was a history with these characters um you know i maybe part of that is because like like we were saying it's a pretty lean movie so it leaves it actually does leave a lot to the imagination where you, you don't see a lot of their home lives you don't see a lot of uh, the story beyond what's happening within this 48hour period uh, so I think you're able to fill in a lot of a lot of the blanks with these characters and uh, I think that works to the movie's advantage I think that uh, you know I did know kids like this I, I had friends like this I didn't have a you know I, I usually with me it was like two other kids I was friends with like I was always in a gang of three kids somehow and, you know I built tree houses not as good as the on one Swung I mean, on vines did you,
2: did you say you built tree houses or three houses built. with an accent I'm a, like. built, built tree houses yeah. hey oh, I built yeah, tree yeah. houses I built, I built you know tree. what I'm talking about no no I built two houses oh, you built two of them hey <laughs> uh,
1: well I just
0: wanna, like I, I want to basically and I think
1: this kept I'm sorry and I, and I also think this movie captures the uh, a place very well I mean I, I like just the way you know, it's it, it's a it's patient with the cinematography. I like the way it captures the other railroads and the and the pine trees and the land and and you know what that feeling that you really want to go out there and explore. I feel like um, you know the Rob Reiner has an eye for um, you know that uh, the the great wide open you know and you know what it, what's what it's like to when you're a kid and you're only focused on you know just that one thing you're going after. I mean, these kids know what they want. You know, they just want to go see this dead body. And then they're, you know, I, I like how it captures the way their minds kind of wander off to all these goofy subjects that that you you know, now that I have kids, I mean, you, you know, my daughters will bring my daughter will bring up some random thing that has nothing to do with what we were talking about. And uh I I like you know how the movie captures that kind of you know, the state of when you're you can you can kind of feel them changing. They're starting to think a little more deeply about things, but at the same time they're also you know, you know, there's a scene, that scene in the junkyard before they had to escape from that Rottweiler, you know, Jerry O'Connell, uh, Vern just sits there and says, you know, this is the best time or something like that. He says like, you know, this is, this is like, this is a great time, you know, just kind of very innocently, you know, and I appreciated that.
0: No, totally. Yeah. And I, that goes back into this idea of it captures the feeling of the perfect endless summer, mm-hmm. right? Like this idea of that, um. I think that every person, you know, in a, in a you know growing up in a relatively, you know, fluent aspect of America, that you could just go back to that time when life was full of possibility and there was hope, and you weren't the depressed shell of the human being that you are now, which is me. Anyway, Mike. <laughs> oh view, my God. What do you What do you got? Uh, any final thoughts on uh, Stand by Me?
2: Yeah, I think I think we kind of talked to death. Um, no, it it was good. enjoyable. I think it was good. I I, I guess for me the, the weird thing for me is like one of those, like how did this movie? How, how do you pitch this movie? It's like it's a movie about kids. I don't know but how it gets not made. It wouldn't get made today, today. I tell you that because well, it's not Stephen me. King. I mean, and
1: Rob uh, yeah, Reiner. that's true. That's true. Was yeah. Reiner
0: a name at that point though? Had he done Harry Met Sally?
1: No, he, but he had done uh, Spinal Tap and The Sure Thing with John Cusack, and he had. Been, it's like those two movies. He was a star from. He was a he's, he, he was.
0: Carl Reynolds, yeah, Carl he's Reiner's Reiner's he Carl Ryan's son. Yeah, he's Carl Reiner's
1: son, and he was on, he was on uh, All in the Family for a long time, the uh, popular 70s show.
0: So the key to get my movie made is to become a child actor mm-hmm. on a
1: popular sitcom. Well, he wasn't a child actor. He was an adult actor. He, <laughs> he was? Reiner. Yeah. Oh, he played uh, Meathead, the um, the son-in-law of Archie Bunker. And, oh, and I didn't that know was that. A, that was a show in the 70s it's, that I— remember seeing reruns of on Nick and Knight? Oh, I'm seeing pictures
0: of him right now. Oh my God. He's got yeah. this crazy mustache. Anyway. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so he was a TV star.
0: There you go. Bam.
1: And uh, and Stephen King at that point was, um, you know, I th- he'd already had Carrie made into a movie, right? And uh, Christine and a, n- a number of other movies. And yeah, I would guess this, this was probably his first non-horror supernatural type movie, uh, you know, made into a film you know there weren't that many i do remember i do remember reading uh the book is called different seasons and i think it has um is at pupil at pupil which is a brian singer movie eventually
0: rita hayworth in the shawshank redemption right and a movie called uh, the breathing method which will never be turned into a movie wasn't
1: there also uh, something called like the long walk or something like that about no there's four it's Ah,
0: there's it's the breathing it's the breathing method it's uh the body what was the breathing
2: method
1: about
0: it's about a woman who's giving birth and is decapitated but she continues oh, giving birth even though her head has been severed from her body. I have Wait, what? To you, it's <laughs> Stephen King, man. Yeah, Stephen King. He's a weird guy. Let me tell you. But yeah, what you should. What the What the fuck? Uh, but anyway, yeah. all good stuff. Uh, I think the movie is definitely worth watching, especially now as we're kind of hitting peak summer. Like this is like, you know, perfect time. To, this is like, mm-hmm. this is the time to watch Jaws, and it's the time to watch uh, Stand, Stand by, by me. me. So yeah. there you go. And both movies we have now covered on this podcast. Yeah. So,
2: so here's a question: The Stand By Me song was that written for the movie? It's not, no, right? No, absolutely oh, no, not.
1: No no no, 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 no.
0: In fact,
2: I, it was
1: called The Body, which,
0: which I think is actually a, I think The body's a better title than Stand By Me. I actually don't like the title Stand By Me. Hmm. I think it's on the I think it's on the nose in a way. I guess because, uh, because it's about kids trying to find a body. It's the body. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, but it, it, well, I mean, you could argue that uh, in a deeper sense, it's about kids. Uh, uh, sticking, sticking with each know, other standing a, by each other I know
0: that's what I'm saying that's too on the nose for me yeah, that's I the guess. theme of the movie I, right. I have a problem with that but anyway um, yeah. there you go uh, if you want to find us on the web you can do so at reviewedpodcast.com facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast and you can email us for movie suggestions that you want to hear about at contact at reviewpodcast.com. we'll promise we'll talk about them eventually uh, Dave where can people find you on the internet
1: on twitter Dave g-l-a-n-z, G-L-A-N-Z and Dave daveglanzproductions.com
2: and Mike,
0: where can people find you on the internet?
2: You can find me on Twitter at mike Morandi or my website, MikeMirandi.com.
0: And you can find me at Ivan Kander. That's K-A-N-D-E-R on Twitter. Um, and I write and edit for the website, ShortOfTheWeek.com. My website and portfolio is at Lucky9Studios.com. So uh, there we go. Dave, do you want to give us a little bit more of that beautiful Stand By Me rendition to take uh, us out? What are whoa, 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 whoa. What are we doing next? We oh, to shoot. About... I totally forgot. Um, yeah. We are going to be doing uh, The Karate Kid. Starring Jaden Smith. Uh, st- uh, starring Jaden Smith. <laughs> oh, no, uh, no, no. Pat no. Uh, Rita. <laughs> uh, we're going to be doing uh, The, the good Karate one. We're going to be doing, well, I mean, debatable. Uh, we're going to be doing, <laughs> doing The Karate Kid uh, because uh, the director. Um, First uh, one. Uh, uh, did he trick all of them? No. John...
1: I think he did direct all of them. Did
0: he direct all of them? I don't know if I've even seen The Karate Kid 2 and 3. I've only seen the original. I definitely but saw 2. We're going to be watching... What's the one we goes to, um actually goes to Japan? That was 2. Okay. Um, what happens in 3...
1: Uh, I don't remember but exactly. there's, there's you know it's another bully we're actually do, we're, do, we're actually
0: doing the next Karate Kid with Hilary Swank no we're doing uh, <laughs> oh my god I that we're doing uh, the Karate Kid with uh, John G. Alvinson recently passed away we're gonna be doing that film uh, from 1984 so go ahead
1: he's more we're famous right. as the director of Rocky of course. And yeah. also, of course, The Karate Kid.
0: Uh, but well, Karate Kid's a of movie. So go, everyone, uh, go out there, check it out, and we'll be talking about that next time. Uh, Dave, uh, sing us out, please. Whoa,
2: Da-da-da-da. hold on, hold on. Wait. One more thing, what? one more thing. One more thing. Are we oh. going to talk about The Elephant in the Room? Um,
1: is there an elephant in the room?
2: Um, oh, there married? is. There is. Well, yeah, that too. Um, a couple weeks ago, Edgar Wright yeah. made a tweet. Oh, Yes. I, I know to talked about it on, on social media, but <laughs> this right. podcast, we need to just. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Wait, what
0: happened? I forgot what
1: happened. Okay. All right.
2: Mike, do you want to set up the story? No, Should well, I set up the story? There, there was something about the American. There was a discussion in the last podcast about, you know, what no, Edgar no, no. Wright. No, no, no. Not the, not the last podcast. Not the last one. This Sorry, was like two yeah, years a ago. A previous podcast from the one we did for uh The American, American Werewolf, Werewolf in London. London. Mm-hmm. And I've and Dave gone to a debate about what Edgar Wright would think. Uh, it would be a better horror movie. I think it was it Dawn of the Dead, and it was uh, Evil Dead Two, Evil Dead, Evil, 2 Dead, Evil Dead Two, and and American Werewolf. Well, we're we're in not talking about Dead. what you think. We're talking about what Edgar Wright thinks,
1: which is more important.
0: Wait, did he did he in his list put Evil Dead Two above or below? <laughs> below? He put it
1: below. He put that's he crazy. He put American Werewolf in London. You didn't, look, you didn't look.
0: I'm sorry. I'm just you drunk. didn't look. I didn't
2: look.
1: You and then he deleted the tweet. Edgar Wright, if you're out he deleted yeah, I mean, the
2: tweet so afterward i i think because i because Ivan he said, came to his he goddamn know anyway? and i was like never no, heard of the no, no, guy no. and i think he really heard him i'll admit
1: i'll admit that in the tweet he said that this is fluid and changes but here's my top because so the sort the reason this happened is because the new york times just published their top 25 films of the past you know of the of this millennium so far and uh, so a lot of filmmakers and people have just been kind of just randomly putting out their top 25 movies of the past you know 20, twenty years of the pat or of all time or whatever, and Edgar Wright decided to put his list out mm-hmm. written on notebook paper as an image. So I saw that, and it just it, I flashed back to us talking about Edgar Wright in American Werewolf in London and i hadn't I had not heard him talk about it. I didn't know anything and I, yeah. I, I remembered. I went back. I had to scour the archives of the reviewed movie podcast. I found the podcast. I had to find the moment in the pod. I was like, I know we talked about this. Yeah, and I, Dave the went the time, to a library I when a, a microfilm over it, so I'm like, hey, to find did. out the old <laughs> it, episode. He yes. really did a lot
0: of research. I mean, I mean, first off, um,
1: but they were both on the list. I guess that's what we can agree on. They're both on his list. Well, they're on the
2: list, but Dave, you were correct. American Werewolf in <laughs> London is higher, and again, I, I happened just again. I got talked over a third time. I was saying we both need to tweet him and whatever he picks like we had to have some kind of stakes about who owed who what and we didn't do it and now I mean I think Ivan knew he was wrong that's why he didn't do it
0: (laughs) I still think that uh, I'm right because I think that as Dave says, the list is fluctuating and changing, and I think that when he woke up in the morning and realized in a drunken stupor what he had done,
2: <laughs> he, he, did, he did retract it. I think it was. Possible. I just yeah. feel uh, like Edgar so now Wright.
0: now we
1: definitely need to tweet. Him whose because... cinematic
0: style is ripped off from Evil Dead Two? Like he, he's stealing like the jump cut kinetic edit from Evil Dead Two in every one of his movies. Like, I uh, how
2: but also anyway. I mean, there was a large gap between them. It was like two and nineteen. It was a big. <laughs> I don't care how flu that list is. Anyway, I don't see that coming together or passing each other. To make a long story Clearly short, everyone should
0: London. go see Baby Driver this weekend yeah. so he can keep making movies because yes, he's a great movie agreed. maker. So. He,
2: he's fallen on hard times. Some people are bad-mouthing him on Twitter. He's real upset about it. Go see his movie. Make him feel better. I, well, I, I,
0: I don't think he's ever had a hit. Like, I don't think he's ever made a movie that's made money.
2: Oof, man, right?
1: Well, Dude. they've made money, but they haven't been. I mean, he wouldn't be making movies if he.
0: <laughs> My recollection is that um, Scott Pilgrim was one of the biggest flops. Oh, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I just but feel he, like,
1: there's there's audiences for his movies. Okay, right? well,
0: I guess my way of phrasing it is like this: people know who Edgar Wright is, yep. and it's crazy to me they think that Edgar Wright has never made a movie that has grossed over a hundred million dollars in theaters. Mm. And like we're talking about that, that happens every week that a movie comes out that grosses more than that. So <laughs> yeah. uh, it's crazy to me that he's a movie that a movie maker that a lot of people respect that just his movies don't make money. And I think that's interesting. Anyway, uh, we've been talking too long. Uh, Probably. Watched Karate Kid. Yeah watch Baby Driver, all that good stuff. Uh, leave, us, leave us five-star reviews on iTunes. I don't want any of that one-star crap. Only five-star reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not afraid and... of the
2: one-star. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you whatever. can rate me one-star. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, not me I can though. take it. I can't take, can
0: take it. I can't take it. But anyway, thanks so much for watch, uh, watching. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Hey, maybe they're watching something. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. Yeah.
1: He told me there's a project coming up that might need Gland's special sauce. I'm like, that's a little weird, but okay, well, I'll be in there. I they walked in the want wrong time.
2: It. What is this? <laughs> <laughs>